Amen. Our God has been so good to us, and we, this time of year, we certainly remember uh, His grace towards us, and at the communion table, we remember His grace towards us, undeserved favor, saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. We're so grateful, so thankful. Uh, what's the next holiday, Christian holiday? We, we made it through New Year's Eve, we made it through Christmas. Anybody have an idea what's next on the calendar? Passover? Any other guesses? Easter? Passover? Really, around the world, in, on January 6th, there's a, a holiday called Epiphany. Epiphany is celebrated by uh, millions and millions of Christians, even in the United States. Uh, the tradition says that on Epiphany... Uh, God manifested himself to Gentiles uh, and uh, it, the three wise guys. No, wait, the three wise men. They're the ones who, the, the tradition says that the 12th day of Christmas, uh, they found Jesus in Bethlehem. Okay, now there's some history there that <laughs> you have to ignore some history, but nevertheless... It's celebrated around the world as the time when God allowed pagans, Gentiles to be seen in the person of Jesus Christ. And so around the world, Epiphany is this uh, celebration where uh, in some countries, when do kids get their, their Christmas gifts? January 6th or in the Eastern tradition, January 19th, not on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. In our country, uh, different, different groups, different peoples, they, they have special foods on Epiphany. Um, I think there's some, some traditions in some countries where, uh, like, almost like Halloween, the three wise men go house to house, and they, they knock on doors and greet the kids and give candy away. It's, traditions have developed. <clears throat> the king has come. The, the traditions, however you look at them through the different centuries as they've come and gone and built up, the idea, the teaching, the truth that, that the king has come uh, abides and that we have been invited to meet him. And we've been invited, called, ordered, commanded to worship him. How are we receiving Jesus? How are we worshiping Jesus how are we exalting Jesus in this new year? Are we? Will we? It's the point of Epiphany. Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. Let's look at the biblical account of the wise men meeting the king of the world. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. 
When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the, by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. May God bless the reading of his word. So we have, over the Christmas season, we've looked at the birth narratives again and again and again. And many messages have come our way about Jesus. Uh, many fulfillments of Scripture have been told. Uh, his identity, his mission have been brought forth. We come to this text today and uh, we, uh, I, I don't know what you do in your family and I don't think there's too many kids here about Santa Claus and I don't, I don't want to be the bad guy in any way. Uh, close your ears, kids, if, if you, but sometimes when we come to the wise men, I feel like I'm the bad guy too. Uh, the, the wise men, uh, we, we, who are these guys? Who, who, who are these guys? Uh, where did they come from? What did they see? We, we have so many, so many questions. Um, the word uh, magi, translated in some, some of the Bibles, uh, wise men, uh, I think it's magos, is, is the word in Greek. Uh, it, it covers a very broad range of people. Throughout history, it's like centuries and centuries, uh, this word is applied to those people and those people and those people. Um, oftentimes, like you read in, in the book of Daniel, uh, the, the kings have their counselors in the court, their wise men, right, that they, they did call. Even, even in Exodus, the Pharaoh had his wise men that he would call and, and ask for help. Um, sometimes they are magicians, in certain settings, sorcerers are almost. Some, sometimes they are just strictly counselors in, in some settings throughout history, the, 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 the secular writings, the, the Gentile writings in different places. Sometimes they're astronomers and uh, astrologers. Um, very rarely, or as far as I know, never are they called kings. Um, our Christmas carols uh, paint a different story. We three kings of Orient are, right? From the east, these three kings. But the text says nothing about them being kings, right? And it's t the text says nothing about there being three 
right? So it's really fascinating. There, there could have been two magi. There could have been 20 magi. We don't know. We get our idea that there are three, three magi from the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, we, uh, we, we think that they might be kings because of the extravagant nature of the gifts they bring. Right? Here's these guys that uh, have the wealth and have the ability to travel long distances. They apparently don't have jobs. Right? They have a lot of wealth and they've got a lot of discretionary time. And, and you know, to take a caravan uh, from the east, uh, uh, most people think they came from Baghdad or you know, modern-day Iraq, um, from the east, uh, Babylon um, area. Uh, it's, uh, you know, again, checking, it's so cool today to see the mileage. I think I, I read somewhere it's 547 miles from Baghdad to Bethlehem. Kind of deal. Um, we, we look at some of those things uh, and, and we, we, we wonder about these guys. Uh, you know, uh, our, our holiday of epiphany that I've never celebrated, maybe you haven't either, uh, the idea that the 12 days of Christmas, that they, they saw this sign in the sky, they left immediately, and they arrived in Bethlehem in 12, what, 12 days, there's no way. <laughs> um, it was much harder travel back then, there was much more, more difficulty, and, and so the bad guy part of me says, you know, your nativity scenes that have the three kings, it's probably not true. And probably the next thing you'll hear me say is that Santa doesn't fly around delivering gifts to children around the world. Stop that guy! But it's, you know, traditions come and traditions go and ideas come. Uh, but the Bible points us to these men who, probably not kings, they might have been royalty. They certainly had wealth. Um, they probably took a long journey. It takes time to arrange a caravan, to go through very dis uh, uh, difficult uh, travels, that the trade route was dangerous. It was a risky venture. You just didn't set out immediately. It took a long time to plan. We, we see these, these, but what we, what we see is we see these, these men who go to great risk. They take a lot of time. They bring a lot of wealth to the, to the table. They, they, they come on a, on a purpose. And so you can, you can leave your, your nativity scene the way, the way it is with the kings gathered around, but they, they weren't there when Jesus was born. Uh, you, you can use them as symbols, as it were. It probably, the case probably is, is that they were maybe six months or a year or even a year and a half later they showed up in Bethlehem. Notice uh, from the text that uh, Jesus is now called a child. And uh, Jesus isn't in a manger anymore. They go to Joseph and Mary's house in Bethlehem. Uh, time has passed and, and time has gone forward. And, and, uh, and yet, this idea of epiphany, of people seeking God, people going out of their way to set aside their life, set aside their times and their agendas to make much of a king. Uh, in our worship sermon series, we talked a lot about what worship might look like. 
we, we discussed uh, often about this idea that we, we worship what we value most. You know, some people value money most, and their life is oriented towards the worship of money. Some people value pleasure most, and their, their life is oriented towards pleasure. Uh, we, we, we moved on, and we talked about worship being a response to who God is and what He's done. A response. You know, we, we come to the nativity scene with the three kings gather around. Yeah, so it's probably not, it didn't happen that way. But nevertheless, we have this biblical example of people that are making much of the king. Uh, Matthew's gospel, you know, he starts off his gospel uh, an account, a, geneal- a genealogy of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ, not a last name, but a title. This, Matthew's whole heart in the gospel is, I want to tell you about the king. And so the genealogy in chapter 1, right, it, it showed the line of the king. It was the proper line. It went through the proper route. It came through the tribe of Judah uh, and a bunch of broken people in that line, but nevertheless, it was the right line. And we got into chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and we, and we, saw, that, uh, we, we saw that this miracle happened of a virgin birth, uh, uh, predicted that would happen. Um, he's the Son of God. He, he's the King. This is how the birth of the Christ came about. Matthew's preaching about the Christ. And we get into chapter 2 here, and, and he's still preaching about the Christ. And, and he's saying, there were actually people who gave a huge part of their life to meet the Christ, to worship the Christ. And so they provide us an incredible picture, maybe an example for our day and our life, because there's a lot of people who talk about the Christ, a lot of people who celebrate the Christ, a lot of people that go through religious traditions, Epiphany, Passover, Easter, that the tradition, the, the pageantry, the way of doing things is what they're about, and they never get to the point of worshiping the Christ. And so we are given by Matthew his heart. He's the king. How should you treat him? He's, he's the Lord. How should you act? Well, look at the wise men. So these men, uh, they, they come from the east, they come to Jerusalem, and, and of course they're going to go to Jerusalem, but, but the, the bigger questions are like, how did they know? What did they see? Right? It, it says, where, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Like, where, where did they get that information? Uh, we saw his star when it rose. Uh, okay, and so... Uh, fascinating, deep, uh, wild things. More ink has been spilled on these kind of things than, than so much of the rest of the Bible. Right? There's, there's all these wonderful questions about what God is doing, the providence of God, the sovereignty of God behind the scenes, and, and yet is there an astronomical sign that they saw, or was it something else? Uh, and and how they add up two to two and make this, this, this deduction that the king had been born? Oh, man. So uh, the, the, when, when we look at the Magi, I think probably the best way to say it is they might have been royalty, but they were certainly uh, astronomers who were probably astrologers. 
And the difference is astronomers study the sky. Even today, there's professional astronomers that they do the math, they do the equations, they have the telescopes, and they see where the galaxies are, where the constellations are, and they study these things. But astrologers, astrology goes to a whole other level. That, be, that turns into religion. Astrology is where you look at the stars and their placement in the sky, and by their placement, by the changes in the sky, they, there are omens given. There are predictions made about what will happen on the earth. And so the, uh, astrology is a way of, of studying the sky and the, the objects in the sky and saying, because of that, this is going to happen on the earth. So it's a way of looking into the future, trying to decide, uh, like you, you, I, I saw an astrology thing the other day, um, because of the, the way the constellation is, it's probably not a, a, a good day to go shopping. What? Yeah, because you're probably not going to get a good deal based upon the placement of that constellation. Okay. So astrology in the Bible is forbidden. Just as magic, mag magic astrology, sorcery, they, 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 these trifecta of, of things trying to manipulate things, trying to control your life, trying to use the world or, or, or dive in the dark forces to bring about a good end for yourself. Astrology is always condemned. But what we see here is these guys are astrologers because they studied the sky and based upon what they saw in the sky, they said, therefore, the king has been born. We want to see him. Wow. Uh, there was a sizable, if, if they did in, come, in fact come from the east, in, and if it was modern day, you know, or what we call Baghdad, Iraq kind of area today, uh, uh, Babylon back then, if they did come from Babylon, astrology was a huge, a huge endeavor. Really, uh, the Romans practiced astrology. Um, all, so many cultures, you know, like when you're out of control, when you don't have control over something, you're, people are always looking for ways to manipulate or always looking for ways to protect themselves, always looking for ways to get ahead. And so in the culture of, of Babylon, that's what they did. And, uh, but there's, there was a sizable Jewish community back in Babylon too. And so what we think happened uh, is that the Jewish people that were there they were witnessing about their religion, they were witnessing about Judaism, and they were witnessing about one day a king's going to come. And uh, we don't know what scriptures were used, we don't know what kind of uh, background uh, they had, but in Numbers chapter 24, Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, uh, this is one of the guesses that uh, maybe, maybe the Jewish people told these astrologers, these wise men, these maybe they're counselors to the king of Babylon, we don't know, uh, maybe they use this text, I see him, this is Numbers 24 verse 17, I see him, but not now, I behold him, but not near, a star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, it shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down the sons of Sheth. Uh, so a scepter is something that the, the king holds in his a staff or something that shows his authority. Um, and so that, that's one guess. But what we think happened is that the Jewish people, either through books that were written or either through personal testimony, they were saying, we're waiting for our Messiah. We're waiting for our king. 
But what we don't understand was, like, how did they look at the sky, sky and extrapolate, like, and so that, that's, that's the star, or that's the object, or that's the thing that tells us that the king of the Jews was born. What had to have happened was somebody uh, made a map of the sky and somebody assigned meanings to the different constellations. Uh, and, and the different astrologies in the different cultures of the world had their different maps. <laughs> the Babylonians apparently were given a map that said the, in the constellation of Pisces, that's the one associated with Israel. Or the Romans, right, they, they talked about Saturn as, as the, the Rex, the, the king star, or Venus sometimes was called the king star, so the different astrologies. But the wild part, and we don't understand, they, they, were, they, they had some kind of understanding that when this happens, this is this. Uh, so maybe a mixture of the Jews preaching about a coming king, and, and they had an idea about this is this. And, and so we, we wonder, what did they see? What was the star in the sky? Maybe uh, some of your decorations, you had the three wise men and, and there's a little star somewhere in the image or the picture you have. What was that? So the guesses through the century have been uh, a multitude of different guesses, right? A literal star, uh, a, a, con a conjunction of planets, meaning from the Earth's perspective, as we look up from human perspective, we see as the planets move, sometimes they come into convergence. They come into conjunction with one another, and it's a bright light. And so some people said, well, um, it was a conjunction of planets that was odd, and so that was it. Uh, some people have guessed it was a comet, like Halley's Comet. Uh, some people thought maybe it was a supernova, an exploding star, right? Others have said, well, uh, it's probably an angel, an angel of the Lord. Um, uh, or maybe it was the Shekinah glory in the Old Testament, how God the, the, the light of, of God's presence leading Israel, it, the Shekinah was in the sky. And so a bunch of guesses, a bunch of things happening. Uh, the, difficulty with, there's a, the difficulty with all these things. Uh, the way the earth rotates, right, the, the stars, uh, it, let me get, get this right, they, they, the, the things we see in the sky, they rise in the east. Is that right? Okay. So, but they, they move like a, a fixed constellation or star, they move east to west uh, over, over the nice sky. As the earth rotates, we see them move. Uh, you can see the Big Dipper come up in our, in our region and drop over there, kind of a deal. Um, but the, 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 they move east to west, but that's where we get into in some, some question here about what this is. It could have been a star, but then in, in verse 9, um, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And so we see this star, it, it, it went away for a while, they saw it rise, but then it went away for a while, and then once they left Jerusalem, it led them to Bethlehem. Now, where's Bethlehem? Bethlehem is due south of Jerusalem. So here's this star. Maybe they saw it rise with the earth's rotation, but then when in verse 9, it moves north to south, something that stars don't do. And Bethlehem is only about five miles south of Jerusalem, could you see something, a, a heavenly object, a celestial object, move very much in five miles? And it seems like that thing rested over the house. Now, there's debate about that. Uh, the best uh, cosmological argument that I've heard about this, and, and I've tried to read, uh, and 
There's a lot on YouTube, right? <laughs> you can check that out. The one, one that I saw was, uh, okay, so the, the dating of, of Herod's death. Traditionally, Josephus said it was 4 B.C. The coins uh, minted during the time of, of Herod, it shows him dying in 4 B.C. And so all of the extrapolations, like what, what's cool about the stars is you can, you can go, just because of the math involved, uh, there's actually software programs that you can look up and you can see where stars were 2,000 years ago in the sky. Now, that's uh, based on uniformitarianism, that all things kind of do the same thing all the time, uh, an idea. But 4 B.C., 5 B.C., 6 B.C., there's nothing, there's nothing abnormal about the skies. There's something that happened in 7 B.C., which is probably too early. But, but uh, some people say, oh, but it's wrong. Herod died later. Maybe he died 1 B.C. or 2 B.C. You know, Jesus, Jesus was born before Herod died, so our, our, our Western, our Gregorian calendars are off. Uh, kind of a deal. <laughs> you know, uh, there's, there's so much history there. But some people say, but in 2 BC, there was this conjunction of planets, Saturn and Venus, and I guess there's an ellipsis that they go through, the orbit around the sun kind of deal. In 2 BC, they came together where Saturn and Venus, they came together from perspective of the Earth, right? They line up and there's this bright light in the sky. And so some, some conjuncture, and, and how, but how does that move north and south? Well, I guess Saturn, uh, the, the king star, as it were, moved north and south, and it stopped in its ellipsis <laughs> kind of deal. So some people put a lot of hope in that, and I don't know, there, there's always flaws there. And good luck if you want to, you know, bet the house on, on one of these theories. I wouldn't recommend it kind of deal. In my personal opinion, it, it, was, it was an angel that uh, God placed uh, for them to see, uh, just the way it was coming and going and stopping. Uh, but who knows? But they saw something. They, they saw something that brought them from their, their homes, made them leave. And, and, and by God's grace, I think, we, we come to this position. Somehow God initiated the worship of pagan sinners of His Son. Whether it was writing a story in Babylonian history that came to pass, like, like who, who put those maps together? Who, who told them the, the stars and the sky, what, what it might uh, 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 allude to, you know? Maybe God in His providence put something in their story that when they saw something in the sky, it was a click, like, that's, that's it. And He brought the Jewish people close so they could prophesy. I don't know. Or maybe if it was some kind of a heavenly object that wasn't an angel, God somehow sent that into their cosmology, their way of thinking about things, their way of understanding things. Because God, and don't miss this, God wanted them to worship the king. You look at the story, it had to be God orchestrating things or bringing things closer or bringing things near. Uh, we, we've seen in, in the, the birth accounts, um, especially in Luke, right, uh, about how it's for all the people. Good news, of great joy for all the people. And so the first announcements went to the shepherds, the nobodies, the outcasts, the peasants. <clears throat> Isn't it like God to go to people that are uh, far from Him? Because He doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to life. Even today we hear about people around the world, especially Muslims, having dreams about Jesus out-of-the-box kind of graces of God were the gospel. 
God's primary means of bringing the gospel to the world is us, is people. We're, the church is always plan A. We've been given the mission to, the, to go into the, to all the earth to bring the gospel to people. But God uh, has done remarkable things. And so look at, looking at how, what they saw and, and how they got to Bethlehem, <clears throat> I attribute it ultimately to God. And, and may, maybe... Uh, there, there's some help in us in this. I mean, uh, again, in the Old Testament, uh, especially, astrology is a, is a no-go for the Jewish people. It, it, was, it was wicked, it was hateful, it, you know, it was forbidden. And yet God meets people in their brokenness, meets people in their shame, meets people in their sinful patterns. They don't know any better because God so loves the world, right? He, 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 he calls them out. Here, here we see God in somehow, some way, God taking initiative so these people could become worshipers of His Son. I, I look at my life, and maybe you've thought about your life too. How did you become a worshiper of God? Was it your initiative? Were, were you the one who set everything up? Were you the one who brought everything near and close? Did, did you do all the work? I would almost guarantee if we went around and told our stories, God took the initiative. That God started something in your life, whether the family of origin that you were born into, or the people you worked with, or some accident that you had that, that led you to become a believer in Jesus Christ. Biblically, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, wherever we go, God is always ahead of us. God is always before us. God is always the one drawing us near. We are saved not by our works or by our intellect or by our strength, but by the grace of God. Praise be to Jesus. So here we, we have these, these men who are brought to Bethlehem and, and uh, wise men who aren't so wise. Imagine, imagine you don't know anything about a kingdom, you don't know anything about a country, you don't know anything about what, what's transpired there historically, and you barge in and say, we want to see the new king. Show us the new king. The king born king. Um, they had no clue about Herod, did they? Herod, uh, man, Herod's history, as we, we tie the, this, this story together, Herod's history was incredible. He was an incredible uh, administrator. He was an incredible politician. He outlasted several emperors of Rome. <laughs> he, he, he pushed all the right buttons. But as he had got older, he was also a murderer. Murdered his wife, murdered some of his sons. Whenever he thought somebody was going to take his position of power, he would uh, he'd take them out. Even, even sometimes killing their family members just to be sure. And so they walk into Jerusalem and they're like, hey, where's the newborn king? And Herod's saying, hey, I'm going to kill him. We see hostility right away from Herod. He says, oh, yeah, let me find out for you. And so he goes to the chief priests and the scribes and they say, yeah, Bethlehem. And Matthew's showing fulfillment of scripture. This is this, just like the virgin birth. This is this. And so Matthew's saying, this is the king. But Herod's like, Man, yeah, go find him for me. And some people say, well, Herod would have sent soldiers. No, he wouldn't. If he sent soldiers, no one would have come forward and said, yeah, this is our child. 
This is the newborn king. So he's sly about it. He didn't expect God's intervention. He didn't expect a dream to warn the Magi not to come back. And so he, he's, he's hostile. He wants to kill him. And, and we don't have time today to go into it, but if you write down Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, uh, we see in the dragon getting ready to kill the newborn child, we see uh, Satan behind Herod. There's a spiritual war going on, in other words. Revelation 12, verses 1 through 6. But he's hostile. He says, go check it out. <clears throat> and they do, and they go to worship. We, we don't know exactly what they thought about Jesus, right? We, we don't know exactly if, did they know he was divine? Did, did they understand this, you know, the, the Trinity? Uh, probably not, unless there was some, uh, some uh, revelation, special revelation given to him by an angel or something. Uh, in the Roman world, uh, they, the, the Romans thought the emperor was somehow related to the gods or represented the gods. He was somehow divine. That was a developing, evolving thing in the Roman world. So maybe these astrologers, as they saw, man, there's a sign, a portent in the heavens about this baby, this baby king. Maybe he is divine. We don't know about that. What we do know is, compared to Herod, they're drastically different. When they enter the house, they bow to the child. And, and that's important to say these days. They didn't bow to the mother. They didn't bow to the father. They, they bowed to the child because he was the Lord. He was the king. In the giving of gifts, right, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, uh, there's some fascinating stories there. Tradition has arose about some of that stuff too and the name of the Magi, and it's probably wrong in many cases. Uh, but there were very extravagant gifts uh, from Sheba and Seba, from Africa probably, or, or uh, Arabia. Um, but, but notice, Herod, Herod hears about a newborn king. Herod, Herod hears about the Christ. He even says, tell me where the Christ is. And, and he, theologically, he's correct. There's a Christ who's coming. Theologically, he knows that God's going to send. Uh, Herod's half-Israelite. Uh, he's Edomite as well, the traditional enemies of the Jews. But he doesn't care. He, doesn't, he, he, he hears the theology. He hears the scripture. The baby's going to be born in Bethlehem. The ruler of all is going to be born in Bethlehem. And he doesn't care. He's hostile. But these guys coming from the outside, limited information, they worship. They, they give of their time and their talents and their treasures to the king. Certainly Matthew wants us to understand it. Uh, scripturally, um, just, just to show you uh, one thing, in, in Isaiah, uh, Matthew is, is alluding to this, uh, this whole deal in various ways about the prophecy being fulfilled. In Isaiah 60, uh, it starts off with, in the first three verses, about a light coming. The nation sh in verse 3, the nations shall come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. It's a pretty, pretty uh, dramatic picture that we could associate with, with the Magi coming to Jesus. And so, uh, verse 6, the multitudes of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba, uh, Arabia, uh, or, or Africa, they shall bring gold and frankincense, shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. And you can, you can also write down Psalm 72, uh, verses 8 through 10 there as well, and in verse 15, Psalm 72, verse 15, if you want to go with the myrrh, go a little bit deeper. 
But here, here we see them worshiping. Herod wants to kill. But who else is in the picture? Uh, the city of Jerusalem, right? Uh, here we have the common people who apparently their religion, the biggest thing in their religion that they're looking forward to is the Messiah. The common people, the, the people in Jerusalem, they're looking forward to the Messiah. That's what they're proclaiming. You know, uh, three decades later, when uh, John the Baptist starts preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Man, all of Jerusalem goes out because they think that that, that buzz phrase, the kingdom of heaven is near, they, they think the Messiah is coming, and they go crazy. They go down to the Jordan, baptize me, baptize me, baptize me. All of Judea goes to the Jordan, gets baptized. But here, how do they respond to the news just five miles away that there's a, their king, their Messiah, is, is, is here? With indifference. Now, maybe they're afraid of Herod. You know, they're trembling because they know Herod's a, a cutthroat. It's better to be Herod's sow than his son, somebody once said, because it's hard to kill pigs in Jerusalem. <laughs> it's easy to kill sons. Maybe they're afraid of Herod, but they're indifferent. They've been praying for the arrival of the king. They've been hoping for centuries that the king would deliver them. The son of David would come, and, and now news comes from the outside. Hey, where's the king of the Jews? And they don't even go look. Too busy. Uh, you know, uh, um, there's college football playoffs right now. I don't have time to go watch, look for a king. NFL playoffs start soon. Man, 50% off at Dollar Tree. I don't have time to go look for a king. Give me a break. We, we come to this text and we see these indifferent people who are so religious. They, and what about the chief priests and the scribes? Chief priests, mostly Sadducees. The scribes, mostly Pharisees. These guys knew the Bible backwards and forwards. They memorized whole books of the Old Testament. They knew the answer right off. Their theology was ten stars. Man, their biblical knowledge was way up here. You know, Herod says, hey, where was the king, king of the Jews born? And I saw a commentator said, they're all waiting to push the buzzer. Bethlehem. They know it. But do they act on the truth? The chief priests and scribes, Jesus is right there, five miles down the road. The Messiah has come. And they can't be bothered to get up out of their seats and go look for him. They can't be bothered to worship him. Herod, the world is often hostile towards Jesus these days, looking for ways to deny Jesus, because in their pride, like Satan, they don't want to bow to Jesus. So they fight Jesus, or they put Jesus down, or they condemn Jesus. And we can understand that. People don't want to be ruled. People don't want to be taken off their throne. They, they don't want anyone to tell them what they're going to do. But religious people like us, who are indifferent... Jesus said, uh, right, that I, I wish you were, uh, in, in Revelation, wish you were either hot or cold, but uh, as it is, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Paraphrase. When we come to this text, we, we see some, some pagans, some people that some would write off as, oh, astrologers. 
What a bunch of losers. They're never going to be in the kingdom of God. And yet when they get a little bit of light, when truth comes into their life, they respond to it. And they chase it down. You know that, that, that old saying, wise men still seek him. Well, you know, we, could, we could add to that. Wise men worship him. right? Or humble Christians who have been saved by the grace of God, instead of making life like their neighbors do all about themselves, they go after the Lord. They bow to the king. They serve the king. They worship the king. Wouldn't it be tragic if if we were the people of Jerusalem. We have far more information that the Jerusalemites than the Jerusalemites ever did. On this side of the cross, wow, we have a whole Bible. We know so much. And yet, uh, are we worshiping the King? Matthew has written this book the Gospel of Matthew, to call us to be worshipers. And the wise men, very hum, you know, from our perspective, they don't know a whole lot, they don't understand a whole lot, they probably went back to Babylon and they kept doing their astrology. We don't know. But for a moment, they respond to truth and they, they bow to the king. And, and what a picture for us to emulate and follow. In our life, in our 2023, <clears throat> will we be known as followers of Jesus Christ? Will we be known as worshipers of Jesus Christ? Will we be a people that actually take Him seriously? Uh, worship is a response to God in our words and our deeds. Worship, true worship is a response to who He is and what He's done. Um, these guys gave their life, as it were, for a season in worship. What about us? May we not be hostile towards Jesus and His commandments and His kingdom. May we not be indifferent. Religious people that do no good or do nothing in the name of Jesus or don't follow Him or obey Him, may we be worshipers of Jesus Christ this coming year. Amanda, will you please come? Lord God Almighty, we bow before you, we exalt you, we magnify you today in this place. Lord, may, uh, may it be said of us, may our children see us, may our grandchildren see us, may our community members see us as worshipers, not just in word, but in deed. For you are worthy, Lord. Be magnified, be glorified, be honored this year by the people that you've saved by grace. Love you, Lord. Amen.